welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Hey, let's turn off the quick pro. All right, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Mike here with the coolest people in town. This is Daniel Bennett. Lauren Sivak. Nate <laughs> And we're in a garage. <laughs> no, it's not really a garage. Playing garage. It's man. like a, I don't know, a converted. What do you call this place? It's a converted garage. A converted garage. A loft. A house. A cabin. A cabin. I kind of feel like it's a, like a little cabin. It, cabin. Cabin has to have like rustic wood, I think. Yeah. And a fireplace. Bad. Fireplace it does have. That is a fireplace. Yeah, loft or studio apartment would be good. Loft or studio apartment. We got... Uh, One bedroom house. <laughs> Dan is back. Condit. He is an Air Force captain. <laughs> no, I'm, a, I'm a lieutenant. He's a lieutenant. lieutenant I don't Dan. know if those are different, but... The captain's higher than uh, lieutenant. One or the <laughs> other. Uh, let's see. Nate and Meg are going to have a baby. And I did their wedding way back in the day. And they refuse to tell us the name. I don't know the psychology behind this thing, but nobody will tell you yeah, their no baby's name, name no until baby is born. Uh, you said you had names picked before your kids were born. Yeah, we've got three kids, so we did different things for all of them. Found out the gender, had names picked out before, didn't find out the gender. Things like, Well, you should always have names picked out. It's not like the old days where they would have the kid and then name them later. But, yeah, we mixed it up. How long would you wait in the olden days? I don't know. Didn't they, like... How long would you wait before you feel guilty? Yeah. Where people have a baby for a long time. Don't you have to name them coming out of the NICU? Well, no, baby boy Lauren works at the NICU. And she says that you can have baby boy or baby girl for the first month and a half of your (laughs) child's life. (laughs) And then you have to name them. Baby boy. I thought they didn't do gender anymore. They do in the NICU because you have to, but uh, other places in children's, they don't. All right. Well, i got to stop talking to you because you're across the room, and the microphone won't get you. Yeah. <laughs> We've had problems with this. Um, what else? Let's see. Tell, tell me your best joke, and I'm going to get a bubbly. From okay. I'm on All Sober right. October, so I'm not drinking the <laughs> whiskey tonight. Um, my best joke, my uh, 13-year-old brother-in-law told me the joke what do you I mean this is everybody knows this joke but what do you call a fish with no eyes I don't know that one what do you call a fish with I don't no know eyes? Dan what do you call it it's <laughs> <laughs> terrible that's a pretty good one I, I like that one um, what else can I ask you Dan doubles as a DJ what makes for a good DJ night uh, yeah just don't play weird music don't be a weird person um, and just play what people want to hear, but you get paid to feel out the crowd, which is where the real difficulty comes because anybody can hit play the music, but it's all about trying to feel what the vibes are. If everybody wants to hear '90s alternative, you're going to play '90s alternative. If everybody wants to. We hear did. All right, tell me what you think of this. We uh, should I tell their names? Yeah, Luke and Molly Lines just got married, and at their wedding, the Brother, his brother, who was the um, groomed, what do you call that? Best man. Yeah. Had COVID, so he, that's a HIPAA violation. 
Did he zoom <laughs> But I didn't name it. him. But he was at, way out in the field. Well, we were all in the reception <laughs> venue, and he was giving the speech from way out in the field. And it was like one of the kids was supposed to hold the flashlight on him for the spotlight. And it was so weird. Then they had one of the most uh, bizarre and delightful kind of shows where they're in the middle of the speeches. All the lights go out in the whole reception venue. And then you hear at the back of the place, because all the attention drawn toward that corner with the stage. You hear at the back, and you look back, and there's this Darth Maul. This was the lightsaber guy. This is <laughs> where Schneider uh, did it. Yeah, I it saw was this. All, he's all dressed like Darth Maul, and he comes through the crowd. It was scary, I too. saw this clip. And then he comes up, and the, it starts attacking the groom, who pulls out his own lightsaber, and then is fighting. I guess, I think Luke gets knocked down, and he's about to be killed, and then the... Uh, and then Molly comes out and she like kind of like shoots him away with the emperor power or something right. and saves him. And then the lights go back on and the speeches continue. <laughs> it was like, what? What? I saw that clip. I had mixed feelings about it because it seemed like so much. It was bold. It was so bold. But my biggest problem was that Darth Maul's lightsaber was not dual yield. Dual oh, wheel, no. It's like the two-sided. Dude, you're a nerd. You belong with them. <laughs> <laughs> it was I thought it was kind of fun but yeah no it was cool I just it was I get past it was new thing. I've done a lot of weddings and it was new you know <laughs> um that DJ who, who you say hey, Schneider, friend? yeah hey Schneider it's Mike Schneider yeah you played that uh Michael Jackson song way too long way too long <laughs> <laughs> that thing went on for at least six, Which was it six minutes and it's like it was probably after thriller, about three it? minutes, it was just like me and three other people dancing on that floor, because the people couldn't keep up. You got to switch it, dude. Schneider. Yeah, Michael Jackson. I can't remember. I always play rock with me like sometimes in for cocktail music, or like if the couple likes Billy Jean, I'll play Billy Jean. Oh yeah. Michael Jackson is because it's tough because he he put on such a show. And he was such a good dancer. Like everybody. You can't, you know, you can't, can't dance with up, him? Yeah, well, you can't live up to that. Have you yeah. seen his moves? I don't know. Some guy did the moonwalk. All right. Enough of that. Enough of that talk. Um, yeah, this is a special edition of Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Um, our other hosts may or may not be sick, and we need to have an episode for this week. Um, so we don't normally do this, but also Dan and his wife, Sydney, are some of the coolest people in the world. And cool people can be featured, um, especially <laughs> if they are parents of a Down syndrome child. And I want to talk about Jerome Lejeune, servant of God. Yeah. So I've picked him to interview uh, because he knows a lot about Jerome Lejeune, or so his wife says. <laughs> we'll have to test my knowledge, but Sydney knows a lot more about him. Um, I wish she was here. She's not with me because, yeah, I'm just here for the weekend for the for the training. But, um, yeah, we learned a lot about him when Benno, our second boy, or our second child, I should say, who was born with Down syndrome um, in February of – he'll be two in, in January, I should say. Sorry, January 28th. His due date was February, but we were having a bunch of issues with him um, – him growing in the womb and we were trying to figure out why he was so small and it was a tough pregnancy and he ended up 
uh, coming a whole month early. And lo and behold, as soon as he came out, I knew exactly why we had had some of these problems, why he was low birth weight, uh, why he wasn't having a whole lot of movements because he was born with Down syndrome. So we started researching and I don't know if a friend uh, told us about Jerome Lejeune, but yeah, we kind of found out about this incredible physician and devout Catholic who had lived or uh, was born in France. Uh, he was a pediatrician and he yeah, was born in France in the 1920s and died in 1994. But he is credited with being like one of the fathers of genetics and he was the one who discovered the cause of Down syndrome or trisomy 21. So yeah, it's a super bonus that he was, we found out he was such a devout Catholic yeah. Um, it's always great when you can find out like people in the science community, especially. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cause it's a great Testament how you can be, you know, science and religion. Absolutely. You don't have to be a, a scientist or an astronomer and be an atheist automatically. We have all these great. Yeah. That's a dumb cliche. Right. We've tried to break that a couple of times on Catholic stuff, but this is a good example too. Yeah. yeah Gregor Mendel, the founder of genetics, of genetic research. This was a long time ago cause he used to, um, what would you call it? Couple flowers and he did all of these experiments on um how different uh, if you pollinate different flowers together then they, they show up with their um different colors you can engineer them differently right. because they have these uh binary sets of uh genes right so you that's an old tradition yeah, 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 yeah. That's a huge thing with peppers so and stuff. The genetics, obviously, that's very like rudimentary, but um, yeah, Catholic science is like a real old tradition. I mean, the universities come out of the Catholic. Right, hospitals. First hospitals systems. were Catholic. Yeah, yeah. So this guy is a great researcher. He discovers that Down syndrome folk have an extra chromosome. Right. What's the twenty-one part? Yeah, so uh, human, uh, all of us, we have 23 pairs of chromosomes. So every cell in the human body has 23 pairs of chromosomes. So that makes a total of 46 chromosomes totally, right? Mm -hmm. Our 23rd chromosome is um, responsible for determining our sex. And uh, trisomy 21, so imagine we all have 46 chromosomes and so what down syndrome is it's an extra chromosome on the 23rd on the 21st excuse me chromosome so trisomy is in three chromosomes on the 21st, rather than the pair rather than the pair so they actually people with down syndrome actually have 47 total chromosomes so they have 23 pairs except on the 21st chromosome is actually three instead of two interesting yeah and he so he discovered this so he he put this under a um, uh, microscope and discovered this, and it was such an incredible. You know, how often in medicine do we have such a black and white uh, answer to certain questions? He broke a huge, long-held stigma, which was if you had a child who had a flat-brim nose, um, who had almond eyes, all the features that you find in uh, kids who have Down syndrome. Um, then before he discovered this, they actually called kids with Down syndrome mongoloids and they just assumed that it was because the mother had syphilis, I believe, or some, Ooh, yeah. yeah, or some terrible, I think it was syphilis or some terrible disease. So 
basically, if you had a kid with Down syndrome, you were shunned away from society. Um, if they looked a certain way and the mother was assumed to have a terrible disease. Oh. And so he started to, I mean, this was, yeah, he lived from 1920s to 1990s. I don't know exactly what year he made the discovery, but that's pretty recent that like we started to have to break the stigma. So, um, yeah, what was it? 1958. He discovered that. Oh, you knew that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, that's crazy. I mean, that's right in the forties. We discovered the double helix and stuff with DNA and yeah, genetics just kind of started exploding in the middle of that uh, time period. So, um, can I ask you about the, you, uh, Dan is a, is a nurse. So he knows like a lot of the medicine and technical stuff. So, um, what are the like characteristic features that correspond with this um, chromosome? Or like 21, what is 21? If 23 does yeah. gender, what does 21 do? Yeah, I couldn't tell you all the specifics of each chromosome. Um, I can tell you, so you're, yeah, I, can, I can't identify each specific chromosome, but I can tell you, the, were you asking what features of kids with Down syndrome? Yeah, that'll work too. Well, I, I was yeah, just yeah. mentioning like, certain, well, when, when Benno was first born, so he came, he came out, and everyone was really quiet. It was wild. And so it just goes to And you show. didn't know that your kid had Down syndrome? No, no. Because so you can, can find that out before. Correct. Thing, right? Yeah, so you can do genetic testing um, during pregnancy that says there's a very high likelihood that your kid has trisomy 21 or trisomy 18 or there's a bunch of other disorders you can find out. Excuse me. And... We didn't. We usually we didn't get any of those testings with Rosemary. Um, Benno was born when we were both 26. There was no reason for us to believe that we would have had uh, a kid with Down syndrome. The odds of having a child with Down syndrome if you're below the age of 30 is one in 1,200. Wow. When you are above the age of 45, it's one in 10. So wow. I I knew that, and I knew that. Um. It's, it was totally random, so there's no way – we don't have any family history of anyone with Down syndrome. Can it be genetic like that? Yeah. So if you have it that it runs in your family, you have a higher percentage. But um, we didn't, or not that I know of. It you know, could be hundreds of years ago. Who knows? Um, but either way, so 1 in 1,200 chance for young couples. This is an interesting statistic. statistic. Um, you're more likely to have a kid with Down syndrome if you're older. However, most kids who have Down syndrome have young parents because younger people are having more babies. So it's not necessarily that you'll see everyone who has a kid with Down syndrome is older. So, so many, about 60 kids, 60 parents had kids that were born with Down syndrome in Colorado this past year. And almost all of them were close to our age or, or just because they're having kids just because they're having kids yeah. exactly so that kind of throws off a lot of people think that oh you can't have it like every- how do you know a count like that is there a club yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah we joined a club no I mean yeah I when we got in contact with the World Down Syndrome Foundation which is based in Denver Colorado oh. funny enough um, we started to learn all those things they send you a packet it's really incredible I mean if you were born with Down syndrome, the night in the 1980s, your life expectancy was 40 years old. If you had a kid with Down syndrome, they're expected to live 40 to, to be 40 in the 80s. And I think like in 2005, the life expectancy was like 60 to 65. So like it just goes to show how important um, inclusion has been, and the more we learn about how to 
uh, accept people with Down syndrome and how to do early intervention and how to, you know, because they got shunned away for so many years. So the more we learn about it, um, and so all these foundations. When you say early about, intervention, you're talking about behavioral, like this, the environment, like to keep people from being. Like more so just. If you were born with a kid with Down syndrome back in the day, it was like you're just going to have a, um, a mentally uh, – I mean, they, for lack of a better term, they just call it a mentally retarded kid and there's nothing you can do about it. Now we have learned that if you start reading to them, if you start pushing them with physical therapy, if you start pushing them with speech therapy, if you start doing interventions at an early age, mm. if you give them a walker, if you give them shoe inserts – if you start talking to them a certain way and start teaching them sign language because they're very visual, then they can learn a lot quicker and they mm. just learn differently. So when I say early intervention, I mean starting to teach them at a young age. Because before it was like, oh, you just have a you just have a, a disabled kid, just throw in the towel, just give it up. And yeah. they, I mean, these kids were yeah, they weren't included in anything. So why would the mom or dad focus yeah. on that kid? So it's, it's well, I like that clarity. I I asked that. I mean, unfortunately, this is a real dark side of um, this whole reality. But our our listening um, audience is very broad, and you could hear early intervention and think, let's try to try to detect and diagnose. Um, something like a birth birth defect in the womb right. and get rid of a baby. Right. I mean, that's the re, the sad reality with Down syndrome. But I'll come back to that. Yeah. I'll come back yeah, to that. Yeah, and I've got um, stuff to talk about that as well. Yeah, I think that's important. But, um, well, obviously. But what about, can we go back to just, yeah, what are the features? Like you've sort of mentioned um, some of the characteristics related to uh, learning and education. Um are there anything like what are the particular things that you notice about a person with Down syndrome, personality-wise, yeah. attitude, um, in the early years, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So because you have kids who aren't who don't have Downs, and right? Then a kid who does, right? So Rosemary is three and a half, and uh, our newest uh, addition, Maximilian, is seven weeks old, and so um, yeah, Benno is a. Year 20 months, I guess, 21 months old right now. So, yeah, what we noticed, I mean, my wife didn't know anyone, hadn't really met anyone with Down syndrome before we had Benno, which is hilarious because I had known so many people and I had worked a lot with kids with disabilities and kids who had Down syndrome. Through your job? Through my job and through growing up in uh, the Catholic Church in the Baltimore area and just knowing families. Um, And, I mean, you can answer some of those questions just with everyone knows – kids with Down syndrome and people with Down syndrome to be extremely happy, to be extremely loving. They always want a hug. They always want physical touch. They always are happy. They're smiling. When we, when Benno was first born, uh, we were one of my best friends in college, Maura Delaney. She has a sister with Down syndrome and she was such an incredible resource to just right after he was born, going back to that story of when he came out, everyone was quiet it was like, I was like, oh my God, what's wrong? I knew almost immediately because I work in the medical field that silence is not good, a good thing. And then, they, you know, they, they, as soon as they handed it to me, I knew he had Down syndrome. I, I at least had a very good idea. And so it was, I had gotten this for the first two weeks or the first week of his life, I had gotten this like just super somber feeling. A lot of, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. This is so unfortunate. The doctor would come in and have like a frown on his face and 
it was like this time of mourning. Mm. And the first time I talked to Mora, it was like such an incredibly different attitude and vibe to the conversation. She was like, congratulations, you just hit the jackpot. <laughs> he is going to be the most incredible thing. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? Like, this is awful. Like, I mean, it's been something that I've discovered in my own faith, especially in my own moral conscience as to what was going on. Um, when I first discovered he had Down syndrome, you know, I went through this mourning period and I was so ashamed of myself looking back because he's such an incredible light uh, to my life right now. But it was just this awesome, awesome conversation. Sounds natural to me, though. I yeah, mean, just oh, as, a, as a young father and just the shock. Like, you don't know what that means. Like, yeah. I could see how it could feel guilty or something, but you that's just so different than what you're expecting. And right. If you haven't – it's a whole different thing, like, to work with people and then to, you know – have a child, right? Yeah. Have somebody yeah, in your family, me. somebody yeah. you're taking care of, all these right. things. So I'm sure, yeah, that was a shock. Did it, um, I'm going to ask you kind of alternate between what's your experience, like human experience as a father and then your spiritual experience. Sure. Do you know, like at that point, when you're processing early on, um, did you have a sense of your the spiritual movements in your life? At the time, because you, here's a, he's a good Catholic and he's got a good prayer life. He's a real stellar guy. I've known him long enough to know that he's a saintly guy. Uh, <laughs> You've heard my confessions. That's not true. He's lying. He's lying. They, uh, but I don't know if maybe anybody is even capable of praying around the birth of their child because it's just so intense and like, yeah, things this, going on. This one but was intense. Yeah. Did it affect? I don't want to pry. You know, but if you're in that kind of mode of like, how are you relating to God at a time when you're shocked? Maybe you're frustrated. Maybe you're afraid. Maybe you're don't know what to think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Lauren and I were just talking about this before you got here, actually. And Lauren was there um, within hours after he was born. Um, and she was just such an awesome resource. And I kind of opened up to her about some of these some of these things. Father Mike, like you were saying, what is... Uh, how did it affect your, your spiritual life and things like that? For me, I had a, a little bit of a – everyone has a different experience when they have a kid with Down syndrome. But I was so distracted by trying to – thinking about from the medical aspect of what does this mean for Benjamin if he's going to need heart surgery. Almost – it's a coin flip when you have a kid with Down syndrome if they need oh, to have wow. – they have very – almost – yeah, so 50-50 chance of them having a serious heart defect that requires surgery within months, if not weeks. Mm. That's the first thing I worried about. Second thing was life expectancy. I remember talking to Lauren and just like, I do not, you're not, you know, no parent is, and this is such, it's so funny talking now, like how incredible, this is the one of the first things that went through my mind is like, no parent ever wants to bury their child. And like, if his life expectancy is 40 or 50 years old, I might outlive him. And that was so terrifying. And it was a, a real thought, but how is that? I mean, like, what is there a life expectancy that's different than the average person? Yeah, so can, people with, right now, the life expectancy with someone with Down syndrome is between 60 and 65 years old versus okay. like us is 70s. I see. But that gap is closing. Like I talked about in the 80s, it was 40 years old. Okay. And all of a sudden, we're realizing, like, not only can people with Down syndrome live as long as every, anyone else, they can also have a job, they can get married. They can, suddenly, all of these gaps are closing. 
due to things like early education intervention. We are discovering how to work with people with Down syndrome, and they're making so many huge strides. Um, Chris Nikich is a 21-year-old, he just turned 22, uh, kid with Down syndrome from Florida who just ran a Ironman. Whoa. So, or completed an Ironman, 2.4-mile swim, 120-mile bike, and a marathon. And a marathon. And he's yeah. 20. Good luck, Lauren. You're going to try? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was 21 with Down syndrome. I'm I mean, trying to do a short try. It's unbelievable. So, like, yeah. that, and then he just finished the Boston Marathon on Monday. Yeah, and like, good for him. He is unreal, and he is such a great modern-day testament to the incredible things you can do even if you have someone, even if you have Down syndrome. So, um, yeah, people. Well, let me ask you a question on that, and then we'll get back to the back to the prayer part. Yeah, sorry, I kind of um, skipped over the. Well, but I'm interested in. Okay, so there's all these things that someone with Downs can do, especially if you're intentional about, you know, helping them, educating, right. training, uh, encouraging these kinds of things. Um, is, is there anything like technically with the chromosome situation that the doctors can do? I remember watching this documentary with uh, Jerome Lejeune, when he discovered this stuff and early on, he didn't know, he was he was kind of um, hoping that they would develop the kind of research cure. that could cure right. it. I had right. seen this, yeah. It's kind of a wild thought to think, just that he, yeah, his original motivation was how can we cure this? Yeah. And I think it's because it was founded upon hundreds and thousands of years of it being a disease and I it see. being something wrong with someone. Even Jerome Lejeune, you know, maybe he did he see yeah exactly. His, well, I don't know that it was a judgment necessarily, as so much as like, you know, if there were other birth defects that you could change, or if you right, could just well, chop the third, you chop the third chromosome, and then right, you know, Benjamin's not Downs, right? Or whatever, right? I know, and it's so funny because the yeah playing playing around with genetics has been something that has been highly debated in the you know, the ethical and Catholic community in terms of right now we're almost at the point where people, hey, you want a tall kid with brown eyes and, right. you know, blonde hair, then you, we can make it happen. They are, we're getting so good at mapping the human genome, yeah. is what we call it, is being able to identify what every single piece of our DNA does, which is unbelievable to think about when we discovered the double helix in the 40s and all of a sudden we are almost capable of mapping the human yeah. genome. And so, manipulating it to a certain degree. Exactly. So, I mean, the short answer is, yeah, maybe at some point we'd be able to do that. But I think that if you meet someone with Down syndrome and um, if you spend a lot of time with them and it, it's just like – I was told this by my friend Mora and by so many people. It's like we are the ones with the disability. We are the ones who have 46 chromosomes. They have 47. Yeah. And there's actually – I mean – they're like supermen of love. Yeah. <laughs> if they're super I wonder, that's why I asked you if the 21 was like some sort of dopamine it thing. Probably like, is. He's so happy yeah. and loving all the time. Their superpower is genuine love and compassion. Yeah. And they're just, yes, incredibly happy. and inc- Yeah. But, but of course, but they're also, they do get frustrated. And, and they do, they, they are stubborn. And Benjamin is so stubborn. Really? He literally will take food he doesn't want. And look at me, pick it up and throw it on the ground. Yeah. <laughs> and he'll scream at me. And and so you don't want to take away that humanity humanity from people with Down syndrome because some of them are like, hey, we're not always 
all happy. Right. Like, right. Not That's kind of just a right. cliche or something. Right. But um, but it is they have a, a a a certain degree of love that I envy. I mean, Benjamin is he goes to bed no problem. He wakes up huge smile. He wants hugs. He wants kisses. He crawls over. He's standing up. He goes over to his seven week old brother and just starts hugging him and kissing him and hugging yeah, him. And very kissing. affectionate. Oh yeah, very affectionate. So yeah, but to answer your your more specific about yeah, if we can just like chop the twenty. I mean, I wouldn't want to in terms of someone with Down syndrome. I think that it's. A good point when it comes like, yeah, nobody wants to have open heart surgery or, yeah, yeah exactly, things like that. If we could lower life expectancy, right? Things yeah. like learn, yeah, learning disability, all that stuff, right? I mean, I guess you could ask on the flip side, could we want to augment the chromosomes in order to try to have, you know, Down syndrome or something, like that? <laughs> yeah, or even yeah. just have characteristics like that? Yeah, or, well, but anyway, so the, the whole. Yeah, genetic manipulation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> debate that's... aside, what about okay? So get back to your let's get back to your spiritual life as you're discovering that you have a Down syndrome. Kid. Yeah, and then eventually I want to just ask like, well, how has that been since? Like that has its first kind of blush, full of emotions and questions and all of these yeah. things. And then like, where does it go from there? You know, if you read. If you read experiences that other people have had, or if you read experiences of parents who have had kids with Down syndrome, it is, everyone has a unique one, but almost all of them have a very specific blueprint where those first few weeks, that first initial shock, and then those first few weeks are a time of mourning and sadness, and then all of a sudden, something just clicks where it just, it flips on its head, and it's just like, this is the, the greatest gift ever. Like my friend said, and I always say this, it's just, I hit the jackpot. Yeah. It's like scratching a lotto ticket and then being sad that you lost it and then realizing that, oh my gosh, I forgot to, or I didn't realize that's a winning ticket. Like he's, you, you hit the jackpot. So that experience of, yeah, initial grieving, um, it kind of shook me from a spiritual aspect in terms of what did I do to deserve a kid with Down syndrome? Man, I can't believe that's coming out of my mouth, but. That's, uh, I got to be raw with you. That's exactly what was going through. Like, what did I do? What did Sydney and I do to get a kid with Down syndrome? And now I'm saying that same thing, but it's what did I do to deserve mm. such an unbelievable gift to have a kid with Down syndrome? Yeah. So, um, yeah. Yeah, is that prayer? Well, I have, a, I guess I wonder, see, I know it's too too young still to be able to ask the questions, but maybe you've done some research or something about what is the spiritual life of someone with Down syndrome could, could look like. <laughs> you know, reception of the sacraments. I didn't. I should have boned up on this and just known like what can happen, what can't. What does yeah. marriage look like? Yeah. But, so yeah. Sorry. Finish. Your well, point. no. If you know any of that, I don't. I really don't. Yeah. So I mean, um, absolutely the. I, I don't know about um, in terms of like becoming a religious life, in terms of like becoming um, like a, a brother or a nun or things like that. I don't know of anyone with Down syndrome who's joined the religious life, but I know For that some reason I think there is an, an order in France that's yeah. like both Downs and not. And But a lot of the nuns are Downs. 
Really? Yeah. That so. I mean, I'll have to fact check that, but I thought I saw that. I thought Meg. That is like the that. coolest thing I've ever heard because we always joked. Because initially, when we when he was first born, yeah, we're like, oh, he won't get married. We didn't know enough about it. We're like, he's just our little brother Benno is what we called him. Like, I would just. Can you imagine if we had brother Benno in an abbey praying for us? I don't know why not. Right? Exactly. It's different, and, and, and again, being born now versus 500 years ago, you hear about certain saints that were like slower, or and they wouldn't accept them into like John Bosco, right? Who could like levitate? Is he the one who could uh, levitate, or was it? No, it wasn't John Bosco. I know who you're talking about. No, right? it wasn't John Bosco. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, there was a, a pretty. He's he is the patron saint of people who have difficulty test taking. I know this because oh, yeah. the Brothers of the Eternal Song at Franciscan yeah. University always prayed. It's a through. Joseph, but I forget. Joseph Cupertino, Joseph. It could be like Joseph. That. Co- anyway, those are the salmon. What are they? The birds, the pigeons. Of- <laughs> go on, go on. Go on. <laughs> anyway, so um, yeah, I don't know why they couldn't be religious life, in, um, but I know that they can receive all the sacraments. They can, yeah, they can get first communion and reconciliation, and they can get married in the Catholic Church. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean. Yeah, the who Shannon, Shannon's sister Casey is mm-hmm. Down syndrome, and we uh, used to work out together at the CrossFit gym. <laughs> nice. And uh, when we, I am like not flexible at all, so when I would stretch at the end of the the workout, I would groan and it just looked really painful. And there was one time where Casey turned to Shannon. They're twins. Shannon's a nun now. I don't think she listens to this, but. Um, Casey turned to Shannon and said, he's special too. (laughs) (laughs) And I asked, I asked, I was like, oh, that's funny. And Shannon was like, she knows, she knows who's special and who's not. That's strange. That is amazing. I am special. Thank you, Casey. That is amazing. Yeah, there's a thousand stories. But anyway, she's so, I, that just jogged my memory because she, yeah, she receives communion and she's very prayerful and everything. She's got her. She's got her own spiritual life for sure. Right. You know? um, yeah, interesting. Okay, so how do – well, Rosie is so sweet. She's not going to be like – I want to know like how do other kids interact with someone with Downs and if yeah. they can tell there's a difference. Or That's a great question. Like so Rosemary right now is still too young. Um, I haven't really we've, – we've kind of started to explain a little bit like Benjamin is – not really though. She's still a little too young to grasp this. My um, my nephew Desmond, uh, he is seven years old, and so when he was when Benno was born, or no, a little bit after when Benno turned like one, my sister had a conversation because they went to a coffee shop called um, Biddy and Bose, which is founded by parents who had two kids with Down syndrome, and they hire people with special needs. And we just went to, when we were in Charleston, we, there's a Biddy and Bo's there. And you go in, and there's someone who greets you, and they're like, hey, welcome to Biddy and Bo's. And the people behind the counter, it is just like such an incredible, if you yeah, haven't gone there, cool. I highly recommend anyone going to Biddy and Bo's. Look it up if there's one near you. But, so my sister took her kids to Biddy and Bo's, and her six-year-old son, Desmond, asked, mom, I think, like, they were so happy, like, there was something a little bit different about the person who greeted us at that coffee shop. And she's like, great, perfect opportunity right here. She's like, yeah, what was it about that person? And uh, he basically said, like, well, they were so kind. 
and they they included us and it was so funny the way he described this person he was like they were so nice to us they wanted us to to draw with them they wanted us to um you know help you order the coffee and and so my sister used that opportunity to try to explain in the best way uh, she could but yeah do you know she goes do you know anyone in our family who's always happy and he thought about it for a second and he goes benno she goes, yeah. And she said, Benno has Down syndrome, which is this um, type of, oh, you're good, uh, type of, you know, disability. And so he had kind of explained, it just was funny that he initially uh, saw that as, he, he picked he picked Benjamin right off of uh, the top of his head as someone that he knew in that family who was super happy. So how do you explain it to a kid? There's no right way, but I know that it takes, from what I've heard from siblings and people that have kids with Down syndrome, they almost don't even notice it at all. Yeah. They don't notice it. I mean, what is their reality? What is their whole life? You know, it's been around their brothers and sisters. So, Rosemary, it's going to be interesting. I'll keep you updated on that, though. But when the day when she comes to me and she's like, Mom and Dad, I think something, like, is there something about Benjamin? What age is that going to be? I don't know. Yeah. Because that's her little brother, you know. That's... Yeah. That's a good question, though. So then... All right, so Jerome Lejeune, he discovers this um, this chromosome, and he spends his life um, trying to um, practice medicine, helping those with Down syndrome, and also doing continuing to do research. And I was watching a documentary, and as I was coming over here, and he was presenting to a big medical conference, and it it dawned on him eventually that he needed to address the reality that this might become a criteria by which um, people decide to kill um, Down syndrome babies before they, really before they were thought to exist. So in, as in the embryonic stage and very early on in development, um, I think by the time he gave speeches at these big medical conferences, some of the states in the United States had already uh, legalized abortion for certain birth defects. And um, so he's seeing this writing on the wall generally, right. and he's starting to become like this humanitarian. So it was his personal project, and then it became like a real public um, sort of, um, I don't, what would you call it, mission for sure. him to really try to uh, warn the community and stop and um, and he went on with that for a long time by the time he was um, was older I don't think he started he was friends with John Paul he and his wife were friends with John Paul II and one of those things on the documentary was that he uh, he and his wife had had dinner with John Paul just before he went down and uh, got shot on the square I can't remember what year it is. 83, 81? Yeah, I've been to that spot. I want to say 84. 84. So he, uh, so he's been, he, he, he put in a, a lifetime of work trying to um, both personally practice medicine and help folks with Down syndrome and then also be an advocate for, um, yeah, 81, saving, uh, saving the children in the womb. But... Unfortunately, the reality is that the numbers of Down syndrome babies being born statistically throughout the world is going down, 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 down. 
because yeah. they're being killed. And that's a strong way to say it, being killed. But that's the way that Catholics see it, is that uh, at the moment of conception, you have the presence of not only cells that are wiggling around, but a soul. And soul meaning that principle by which these, these material pieces are going to organize themselves into what uh, it's a person. You know, it's a person, it's just in seminal form, already uh, developing. It's so it'll grow, grow, grow into a human, into like what Father Mike at 38, or um, but from that moment of conception, you already have a person, and uh, you can't have anything but that. It's so not going to grow into a you tree kill or a, yeah. two cells, you're killing a person right. when you kill the two cells. Um, so we've always been advocate in, uh, of protecting life, um, laws that protect life and, and also celebrating the dignity of every life because that soul comes from God, right? So there's this, yeah, this great tragedy. And I'm wondering, what do you, two questions. One is, why do you think people don't want to have a Down syndrome child? If they ever met anybody with Downs, is it because it seems like more work? Is it because they it's unusual? You really do have to take care of someone longer than 18 years probably right. or differently. Maybe that's the intimidation. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have any ideas about that? And then generally just what, what would you say to parents who find out that they're going to have a Down syndrome baby? Um, or, and they're not sure what to think about that. Yeah, great questions. Um, so I think the big reason that why people are afraid to have kids with Down syndrome is um, initially just the shock of having a not normal child, someone, anyone with a disability. If you find out you, if you could tell that your kid was going to have autism or one leg or one arm or anything um, that is anything but normal, it initially is a shock. Um, and then... Yeah, just the, from the medical standpoint. Well, a lot of people just <sighs> realizing that you would have a kid with Down syndrome would mean more work, essentially. I mean, our pediatrician has uh, taken care of so many who is watching uh, Benno in Colorado. Has He sees so many people with Down syndrome, and he has a son with Down syndrome. He's 27, and he's still living with him. And it's something that is a reality of... Sometimes people with Down syndrome are like kids forever, and that's a really tough reality for something that I kind of went through was like, you know, the deal was I have kids, and when they turn 18 or whenever they go to college, like, I'm done having kids. And now, of course, now that we have Benjamin, I'm like, I would be stoked if he was with us forever. He's awesome. He can be, he can travel with us because Sydney and I want to travel the world. Like, go ahead, let's bring him with us. He'll be a great travel partner. So I think that's an initial shock of, People realizing that, like, hey, we're gonna, we could have a kid forever, um, and people that know more about what m the medical things that happen with Down syndrome, it's pretty traumatic to have a kid in the hospital. Lauren is a NICU nurse, and she's seen thousands of parents that have to deal with having kids in the hospital. I mean, nobody wants to have your kid in the hospital, yeah. and that is something that can happen with someone with Down syndrome. But the thing is, um, and then to move on to your second question, kind of talking to people who. 
uh, learn that they're going to have a kid with Down syndrome is it could not be more of a blessing and it could not be more of, uh, you know, I'll say it again. We kept saying like, we really, you, you, you hit the jackpot when you have a kid with Down syndrome because they show this type of unrelenting, unceasing love that I've never seen before in anyone else. And it's, it's just, yeah, people get, people, people get dogs because they feel like they want to get love from someone. People get, you know, get married because they feel like they're getting love from someone. I can tell you that people with Down syndrome can emit this amount of unbelievable, just they give, they give, they give. And ever since having Benno, I've met so many other people with Down syndrome through the uh, World Down Syndrome Foundation. And they are just such an unbelievable blessing. It trumps everything. All of those scares, all of those worries, all of those fears. I mean, they are so incredible. Um, so I would tell someone, Do you yeah. think here's – here's another kind of Catholic question. We don't have any canonized Down syndrome saints. Is that true? I don't know. I think that's true. Probably. Do you think – and I think that's probably related theologically to the question of can you will completely – you because to choose virtue, to choose the good, um, in a technical sense, to choose love, you have to uh, – be able to understand what you're choosing and choose, um, I don't know, fully. It's kind of like make, weigh the difference between a choice for or a choice against. So it's not necessarily just this intuitive feeling, um, but a real like decision for a moral act. And it, I, I don't know if the question then becomes, can they can can you choose to love or not love um, if you've got just like a, a chromosomal inclination toward at least affection? Right. Can you have enemies? Can you yeah, yeah. make the sacrifice of saying, I need to forgive someone. I want to forgive somebody. You know, all of these things that make for sanctity. That's Yeah. You know. I, I would encourage you to – I could probably show you some stuff. There's uh, this guy who appeared in front of – the court in or a court in England, I think, and he had Down syndrome and he had gone on and he just made this incredible argument. He was super articulate, a really high functioning, uh, someone with Down syndrome who was super high functioning. And I mean, you wouldn't even think to ask the question of, yeah, if they're you, the, the, the capabilities of love and if they can will. I mean, this guy was like any one of us. And so I think that um, people with Down syndrome are just like us in that sense, and I think that they could become saints, and they should become saints, and they probably then are saints. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean that in just the canonization. Yeah, I think they have the edge. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, our religion is a religion of love, right. not a religion of success or achievement. It's not a religion of yeah experience, human experience, the things that we obsess about and I and idolize. Um, having something to show in terms of stories to tell at the end of your life or um, successes and achievements to put on your on your wall. Yeah. That does not matter to a Christian. It just doesn't matter to a Catholic. Our question is, did you love? And did you love God and your neighbor? And that's what we'll be asked at the end of the day. And yeah. that's what our life is about. And I, I honestly think, yeah, there's a, a huge advantage in um, 
in terms of the simplicity, my impression is of the simplicity of life that way, that not depressed and self-hating and all kinds of things. Take that childlike faith, that childlike wonder. You want someone with childlike faith, childlike wonder. Yeah, that's someone with yeah. Down syndrome. That's a great point. Yeah, this guy at Father Nathan's place in the sacristy, he serves mass over there, and he's like 40 or something. And he came up to me just super happy to brag about how Father Nathan got to go to the ball game with him. That's because awesome. He took him to the Rockies game. That's awesome. And he was just so proud to have done something nice for somebody. And um, I don't know. I'm just impressed with that thought. Of like, yeah. There's something profound about life in the simplicity and joy right. that you see. Uh, profound about priorities in life, about affection and people. And then there's something profound about the spiritual life in terms of um, just recognizing that everything we do and everything we, we are is a gift from God and is very simple. It's just very simple. All that's asked of us is very simple. And it's um, in those the simplicity of the acts. I think of Therese of Lisieux with the little way. Right. Um, Christianity isn't as complicated as people make it. Yeah. I got people who are agonizing, who are coming for advice all the time. It's like, <laughs> how do you just simplify, man? Make it about love. Try to find joy and peace. Yeah, you do love Therese of Lisieux. You bring her up a lot. I love do I? Her. Well, I'm, yeah. I, there's a couple. Of, well, the little way. Yeah. The little way. I do. I love that. All right, what else? Any, anything we missed? I, I had a thought that I wanted to just finish with just statistics in terms of when we were talking about abortion and mm -hmm. people who find out the reason those numbers are dwindling and things like that. We kind of have like that paradox. Sorry, switching subjects real quick, but just to get it off my mind where we have a paradox of um, inclusion going on with the Down syndrome community to people who are born and then extreme amounts of people who are get, uh, abortions that are happening with so it's it's funny like if you have down syndrome all you have to do is make it through the womb and you're good but like <laughs> yeah, but it's a such a dangerous place yeah. in the womb if you're in america i i believe that 65 percent of people who find out that their kid has down syndrome in the womb have an abortion no. Don't do it. Send them to me. Yeah. Seriously. I'll take them Seriously, all. I will. When Mother Teresa... I don't know how that works with my bishop, but I will. <laughs> when, when Mother Teresa came to Denver, um, I had someone tell me this because I wasn't here for that, that she had kind of talked about, she's like, I'll take... She's like, just bring them all to me. Yeah. She was talking, it was like this unbelievable. She can do that better than I can do yeah. that. <laughs> she can, but she really did. Would. She, they, would. she actually they would. She's like, bring all of your, please bring them to me. And so, but in Denmark, it's it's over 95% of people. And then in Iceland, they haven't had anyone who's been born with Down syndrome in like years. It's 0%. So if you find out you have a kid with Downs, Down syndrome in Iceland, it's a 100% abortion rate. So they just do not have kids. I mean, and that's what this guy in England was talking about with Down syndrome. He's like, we're going to go extinct, basically. Oh, no. It was, it was crazy. He's like, we don't, yeah, so. Well, it's beautiful for me to hear that the numbers aren't as dramatic in the United States, actually. Right. Um, it's because I mean, we have all these great resources. And, yeah. yeah. And Catholics have been saving babies for a long time. Like Mother <laughs> Teresa, really. Right. Back in the Roman days, right away, Romans practiced infanticide where they would just leave children 
out for exposure, they didn't really think twice about it. It was just like your family and the, and the health and balance of your family is the highest priority. So if you're throwing that off by having another kid, just that's like a, you know, throw them away. And then the Catholics were made fun of, the Christians were made fun of because they would go and sacrifice their balance of their life and the comfort of their life and their own welfare to pick up other people's kids. Wow. But they did. They saved them. That was, they were famous for that. They were human beings. It sounds like a baby bird or something being abandoned. You know, that's yeah. what animals do. Not, but that's funny about that. But that's what we're getting. That's what we're sliding into. Yeah. A, a very animalistic and, and brutal and terrible. And just throw it away. Yeah. And don't think about it. Try not to think about it. Which doesn't really, doesn't really work very well. All right. Any other questions? Did we miss anything? A long interview. Yeah, well, was. Thanks, I'm, man. I'll say, yeah, man. Anytime. I will love to talk about Ben Owen. Do I get to post a picture of your family <laughs> yeah. for this episode? Yeah, yeah. And we'll, and we'll yes. get a picture of, of, our, of the family and Ben Owen. Maybe we'll take a picture now of ourselves. But yeah, the um, that was a great interview. I appreciate you asking me all these questions. Anytime you. Anytime. I'm free. Okay. Last chance is a shout-out. I don't often shout-out anybody, but uh, Casey Gunning. I don't know. She Would she listen to this? She probably would. Yeah, she probably would. Yeah, yeah. Casey Gunning, you still owe me a bowling match. You bragged to me that you're the best bowler in the world, and you're not. I'm better. Oh, who should, who should I shout-out? I'm trying to think. The Madeiras's. Definitely, Nate and Jordan and Kylie and Tim, they work, they listen to this. Yeah. There you go. Hey guys. <laughs> there it is. Shout out. Uh, Jerome Lejeune, servant of God. We're all praying for him, promoting his cause. Now, if you need miracles, if you need um, favors from on high, ask them from Jerome Lejeune and let's get him beatified and then canonized. Absolutely. Seems like a real hero beautiful life um god bless you to everybody out there with down syndrome hope you listen to go be saints good night